In this episode of Ask Karen Anything, I'll answer a couple questions from students. Now, the first one has to do with how to handle it when you have an instructor, but you want to take clinics from other trainers or instructors. Then I'm going to answer a question about how to reconcile trusting your instincts with what you're feeling, which is something I often tell students to do, uh, with the fact that sometimes new sensations, even if they're valuable, can actually feel weird or wrong. And this will also connect with um, how to handle things when your instructor is saying something is good when it feels not good and vice versa. So here we go, episode 27, Ask Karen Anything. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony, because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. All right, well, let's start with the first question. Hi, Karen, it's Allison in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. And I have a really great trainer, but I do like going to other places and taking my horse off the property, going to other clinics. And sometimes I feel like I shouldn't tell her, um, but then sometimes, actually, I think it might be nice to have actually have her go along, because some of the clinics that I go to in Florida have some really great trainers, and um, I can learn a lot of new things along with different exercises to do for some problems that I have, and I almost feel like my trainer could learn things from those as well. And I'm just wondering, um, how do I say that to her? Am I going to hurt her feelings? Um, I just feel a little uncomfortable, even though, you know, I, I listened to your previous podcast that said to be more open in my authentic self. And I really feel like going out there helps me along with um, the work at home as well with my own trainer. So just wondering your thoughts on that. Thanks a bunch. Bye. Okay, so I love that question because this is reality, right? This this comes up and I can relate to that. Um, my original dressage trainer that I was really in training with um, and the trainer that, you know, I wouldn't be where I was. I wouldn't be where I am today without her. Um, you know, she was very much like we were not allowed to take a lesson with anybody else, <laughs> like not allowed. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I know what that feels like to be in that situation. Uh, so there is a beauty to the consistency of being in training with somebody that you know, like, and trust, and that presumably has skills to take you somewhere on your journey, that you're going somewhere. And they're like, I got you. I can bring you there. Now, my trainer was like that. She had, I knew what she could do. I knew she could take me there and she did. Uh, so I listened to her at that point. She's like, nope, don't take lessons with anybody else. 
And sometimes she would bring people that she enjoyed working with to the farm. And then we would be allowed, you know, allowed <laughs> to take lessons with them. So there is um, a point where, you know, if you're, if you trust this person and you've dedicated themselves to this program, uh, there's a benefit to the consistency, to the lack of confusion, you know, that would come from just like sticking with the program, right? Um, however, I believe no one person is going to have all the answers. And there's also a beauty to supplementation, right? We take supplements uh, in our diet and sometimes we need to supplement, you know, and get new perspectives in anything that we're learning. And I think there's really value to that. So how do you navigate this? Uh, I think if, if you're in a situation where you, you know, I think we're all responsible for ourselves. So let's say you have a horse and you occasionally take lessons from a local instructor, you know, but you're not necessarily like in their program. You know, there's people that come in and I take lessons with once a month or once every six months or once in a blue moon. And like, I never feel like I need to check with them <laughs> for anything that I do. Like, they don't have to know I'm, I, you know, I'm allowed to be in charge of myself. Now I have some experience and confidence in, in choosing who I um, take lessons with too. But really you can, you can decide that like you're the curator of your program and you can do whatever you want. Um, if you have a relationship with your trainer where it's kind of like you're in a program together and, you know, they are showing up for you every week and they're, you know, they've made a program and they have a plan and they're bringing you along. It's understandable that they might not like if you go off and do confusing things that's going to disrupt the program you have. There's lots of different systems and they all can work, but some systems, sometimes, you know, different systems have different priorities. And if you do this one and then you add this one, it actually is confusing to the horse and the person. And it's nothing against either system, but it's just, it doesn't make sense. Like it just, they, they counter each other too much in their priorities. So what's the solution? Um, when I was, you know, at the training facility, so I had my trainer who was like, you can't take lessons with anybody else. And then I have my students underneath me. And my perspective was that I, and I told them this, that like, if you guys want to take lessons or a clinic with anybody else, please let me know. So the, my promise to them was that if they, that they were allowed to tell me that they wanted to take a lesson with somebody else. And I promised that I would, and I would have their best interests in mind in my recommendation to them. So for example, sometimes they would come up to me and ask, and I'd be like, listen, I know that clinician <laughs> and I really don't recommend it, but Hey, let's go watch. Let's leave our horses at home and let's go watch. And sometimes I would say, just go watch. And here's what I want you to notice and, you know, come back and tell me what you thought. 
um, sometimes I go, Hey, I don't know that person. I'm not sure I want to, you know, just go and bring the horses, but let's go watch together. And we would actually go observe and I would learn something and I would help answer the questions of the students. And, you know, I, like you said, I might pick up some exercises too. If it was someone, you know, decent, I'd say, you know, just go without me, go watch, and then let me know what you thought and we can talk about it. I mean, I just, as a general rule, um, usually will not put one of my horses in the hands of somebody new unless I've already audited and observed and been pretty darn sure that it's going to be a good situation. So my first time with anybody new is leave your horse at home. <laughs> now, there have been times that my students wanted to go ride in a clinic. And if it was, you know, a known enough person and and I thought, yeah, that, that could actually be fun. Then they would go with my blessing. And often I would go because I would like to see what that trainer suggested for that horse and rider. And we all learn new tricks. And, you know, sometimes they would do that and I would give my advice and they, I'd say, you know, I really don't recommend this one. <laughs> and they'd go anyway. And usually they'd come back and say, oh gosh, you were right. I wish I hadn't gone. <laughs> that was really uncomfortable. You know, I also, when I was at this facility, uh, there were many instructors there. We had like eight different instructors and I would have the, um, on occasion, other trainers, students would come to me and say, gosh, Karen, I really want to take a lesson with you, but I know you know, it would really hurt the feelings of, of my instructor. So I'm not going to. And I, I was like, gosh, I would, I never want one of my students to feel like the only reason they were staying with me is because they thought that I couldn't handle it <laughs> if they had a lesson with somebody else. So I didn't like that feeling. So I would tell my students like, listen, if you want to take a lesson with anybody else here or anybody else somewhere else this all I you know like you're free it's your horse it's your money I, I don't own you um, but I just say listen I, I just know that I have your best interest in mind and I'm happy you know please ask me because maybe I can save you some confusion and and you know maybe we can all go together and learn something so that's what I tell my students not that I'm my students. That's what I tell people who are taking lessons with me or in, in training with me. That's how I handle it. So for your trainer, you can, your instructor, you can decide, like, is this somebody that you're in a program with who's thinks about you and makes plans for you and, you know, trust that they're an adult who has to be able to handle their own insecurities and whatever. So I think, you know, if they're just an occasional instructor, they don't have to know anything else that you do. <laughs> like I said, there's people that I take lessons with that don't know what I do outside of my lessons with them. But if it's someone that, that you, that really feels like you're their student and they've made a program for you, I would ask them and say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking of going to this thing and here's why, you know, what are your thoughts around this? And they might have 
some personal experience with that particular person. They might save you some stress or they might have an emotional hissy fit. And then you have to go, okay, you know, do you have a reason for that? You know, if it's just insecurity on their part, I don't think that's a good enough reason. You know, they're, they're a big girl or boy and they should be able to handle that. But if they have a reason, then it might be worth it to hear that reason. And they might say something like what my trainer did was I forbid you. <laughs> and then you have to make a decision. And in my case, when I was first learning dressage, I made a decision. I was a kid when I started with her. I was like, okay, I'll just stick with you. And it paid off because she could take me where I wanted to go and it was worth it. But at some point I said, I got to spread my wings. <laughs> you know, I got to go do other things. And we have a great relationship to this day. I don't take lessons with her anymore, but you know, we're, we're close. We're very close. We have a good relationship. So um, I, I don't know if that helps or not. I'm yeah, you're going to have to know the, the, know the relationship you have with your trainer to know whether you need to bring it up or not, but don't be afraid to bring it up. Um, don't be afraid of what you think that they, how they might react you know, their, their job is to educate you. And so if, you know, let them educate you, um, give them a chance and, you know, they may be insulted. That's not your problem. They might have some good words of wisdom for you, you know, and it'll be interesting, but it's an opportunity too. They might, you know, who knows how they'll react. They might go, Oh, that'd be really interesting. <laughs> you know, maybe that, Hey, maybe they have some insight into this problem that we're having with your horse. And, you know, that's how I see things now is like, we all have different perspectives. And as long as you're always putting yourself in a trusting situation and, you know, find out as much as you can about the clinician to make sure you're, you're going into a situation you can trust and you're not going to get in a situation where they're demanding something unfair to you and your horse. So I hope that helps, Allison. <laughs> All right. So um, now let's listen to this other question. How do we reconcile wanting to trust our sense of feel and validate our own agency with our horses while also acknowledging that new things can sometimes feel weird or scary or that what feels good to us may not be of high enough quality to be the best type of movement for our horses? Also, I apologize for the toddler voice in the background. Thanks. The toddler voice is very cute. <laughs> All right. So Shannon, thank you for sending this question in. And Shannon had uh, also uh, submitted a question in our uh, Facebook group for my video classroom. And it ended up being a really cool discussion. And I think the question she asks here um, yeah, it's similar to the question she asked in, in the classroom. And so I think I'll start with one part of it and then kind of um, expand again into the um, teacher-student relationship, right? So the there's one way I can answer the question of just how to trust your instincts in general. And then, um, because that comes up whether you have an instructor or not, uh, but then there's the the situation where you're trying to trust your instincts and now you have this other input from this professional who's 
again, either telling you it's good when it doesn't feel good or telling you it's not good if it does feel good. <laughs> so how do we do that? So um, there's, you know, again, it's one of these paradoxes, right? How do we trust our instincts uh, knowing that sometimes things don't feel you know, we, we can interpret the feeling and sometimes good things don't feel good and not good things can feel good or um, not valuable things. So it's about, here's where my brain goes. I think about trusting, you know, trusting your instincts. There's trusting the sensation that you're feeling. There's trusting the situation that you're in. There's trusting your interpretation of the sensation. There's trusting your decision-making and there's trusting a person, right? So trusting this, your instructor, the third person <laughs> between, well, second person, but third being, right? Your horse, you, and the instructor. So you're absolutely right, Shannon, that sometimes good and valuable things you know, like the good, what's good, what's bad, it valuable, <laughs> I think, you know, a sensation that is going to work for us that we want to take with us and move forward, something valuable um, can feel weird. And when things feel weird, often weird in our human brains, uh, categorizes it as bad. <laughs> this feels weird, weird is bad. Sometimes there are things um, that can feel like, so I could be riding a horse and I think Shannon, this is what you're experiencing. I can be riding a horse and going, oh, we're definitely going to need to improve this, right? We're definitely going to need to improve this. So say the horse is, um, going along at a, you know, a, regulates its speed really well, feels generally balanced, feels really light on the contact, but, as an experienced rider, I can feel that the horse isn't using their back the way that I know he's going to need to use his back in order to be two levels up from where you are now. So from a trainer perspective, thinking of the goal is to go up the levels in dressage, I'm thinking, oh, we're going to need to get that moving a little bit more. But from the student perspective, if you've never felt the difference, you're like, this feels great. My horse is light. They're going exactly the speed I want to go. Feels really balanced. And like, this is awesome. Because maybe the last horse you had used to pull and run, you know, and be heavy and tripping. <laughs> so you're like, this is awesome. So it's a little bit of a perspective change, right? Um, what, you know, it's an interpretation and based on experience. So I think, um, so that has to do with education and experience. And that kind of goes in the bucket of your, your trainer should be able to explain that, right? So what is feeling like, you know, when we say good or not good, it's, it's not, those words aren't sufficient, right? So what feels, you know, describe what you're feeling that you like and are enjoying. And the trainer should be able to say, 
kind of what I said, like, yeah, I can see your horse's light. I can see that, you know, you're in harmony and you're balanced. But what we want to end up with is, you know, more spring and more like if you want to go do, you know, extended trots and collection, you've got to get that horse's back up, build those muscles, you know, they should be able to explain that without negating where you are, right? So, so just because you're not to the next level shouldn't make you feel like the level that you're at is, is bad. <laughs> it's just where you are, unless something is actively going wrong. But if, if your horse is like pulling and leaning and diving and tripping, you probably won't describe that as feeling good, right? So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like answer this. I always like to answer this in the big picture and then dial it into your specific situation. So I'm, I'm going to continue with the big picture, dialing it in. So it, it's a little bit, you know, I kind of have like bullet points of where my brain goes. There's something about being able to trust if something is quote good enough, right? So we're out of the negative, Right. So out of the negative where things are actively going in in directions that we all know are not positive. So like I said before, so that nice horse tooling along light, regulating the speed, basically balanced and in harmony like that's I would put that in the like good enough at for a certain stage. And things are not actively going wrong, right? Actively going wrong is you're saying my horse is pulling and leaning and tripping, right? So we need to get confident of what is, quote, good enough at any level where there's not something actively going wrong. And then we build on top of that. There's also, um, like I said, there's trusting the interpretation of what we're feeling. And one of the things um, that I want to just throw out there for those of you listening is I notice sometimes students having trouble describing uh, what I'll call the what is. So we want to try to be able to describe the what is and take out our interpretation or the emotional part of what we're feeling. For example, and I know Shannon, this might not be exactly what you're talking about, but I'm again, Big picture here. Um, sometimes students will say, um, you know, my horse is, keeps doing that to me, or my horse tried to buck me off. And, and I don't think horses are doing things to us. And most of the time, if someone falls off, it's like the horse bucked and then you happen to fall off. But rarely, sometimes, but rarely do horses actively try to get their riders off. Most times people fall off. It's because the horse did something and you happen to fall off. So, but I hear, I hear students using that language a lot of, you know, my horse is trying to mess with me or he's doing this to me or things like that. So that's an example of interpretation on top of things. So when a student is feeling something that feels less than ideal, um, I always try to be 
you know, tempt students to think, to take the interpretation out and just think, well, what are you feeling? Oh, I feel more pressure in my left rein than my right rein. You know, oh, he did this bumpy thing and I lose my balance when he does that. <laughs> or, you know, so when we're trying to describe how to trust our, how to trust what we're feeling, notice if you um, add on interpretations and emotions on top of the thing that you're feeling because that will um, confuse things and complicate things. You want to just be as dry as possible in your description of what you're feeling. And then you can more easily get to a solution or figure out the question to ask or something like that. So the way I teach when I teach people to trust their feelings um, and trust their instincts is I really emphasize um, a strong visualization of what you're actually trying to achieve. And this, and this visualization is going to change at different stages. There's baby horses first trot around the arena visualization and then there's, you know, I'm schooling and trying to perfect Grand Prix. And that's a different picture, right? So it might also be, Shannon, um, clarifying with your instructor of what is the picture that you're going for at this stage with you and your horse. Because your trainer might have a different picture than what you're picturing. So... Um, it never hurts to step back and go, wait, <laughs> what am I trying to do here? And, and make sure that your picture is appropriate and matches, especially if you're working with an instructor, um, matches their picture. Then the other thing I tell people is to know what dials to turn, right? So once you have the picture, you have to know what dials can you turn to try to create that picture. So a lot of times it's the level of relaxation, the level of energy, the level of balance. So you know what sort of things can you change in order to tune in to get the picture that you're looking for. I tell students to um, know their adjectives, right? So that's something um, that I, I'll sit down and even in live clinics, you know, I do this because it works through remote teaching. I do a lot of remote teaching through the online courses and the video video classroom. Uh, but I'll say like, pick your adjectives. What do you want to be feeling from your horse now? And so if you were in a lesson, you know, you could, you could, you know, stop and say, okay, you know, I want to just figure out like, what feelings am I supposed to be feeling? And what, I, when I ask students that I find out like my students are going for, well, I want it to feel really smooth and really mellow and, you know, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm trying to get their horse bouncier <laughs> and more exuberant. Like that's going to create a disconnect. So it's really important to say your adjectives out loud so that we know what we're looking for. So if you're in your mind going, I want really smooth and really mellow. And I'm thinking, I want really bouncy and really exuberant and cadenced and, you know, all this stuff. Um, you're going to be, when you're thinking, oh, this feels good, I'm going to be thinking, come on, that's not enough. <laughs> and it's simply a disconnect of agreeing on the adjectives that you're trying to go for. 
you know, sometimes I'll be like thinking, I want to have this where it's really engaged and really bouncy. And the person is going, I just want everything to feel safe (laughs) and super boring. Right. So there's a disconnect. If we don't, you know, talk about that or we don't get on the same page, there's going to be disconnect. So I I guess I've kind of jumped right into the how to reconcile between you, you and your instructor, but it's good to know with yourself too. The next part after you pick your adjectives, then I teach students to look for clues. So in the video classroom, I have a series of videos called three questions. And in those videos, I'm very clear about saying, okay, if you're trying to refine your circles, what are the three questions you want to be asking yourself? You know, is my inside rain soft? (laughs) Can I release my inside leg down? Do I see a little, you know, is my horse snuggled up to my outside rain? You know, so there's, there's clues for success. And and if you know those clues, then you're going to know, okay, I'm pretty close to on target. So if, if I'm doing a shoulder in, you know, what are the three questions? You know, do I have a bend? Is my inside rein soft? Do I feel the push of the inside hind leg under my butt? And did my shoulder, my, my horse's shoulders feel taller? So if I can answer yes to all those three questions, then I'm going to go, okay, I must be pretty close to on target So even if I do that and I'm feeling like, wow, this feels weird and bumpy, right? But you go, okay, my body's, this feels weird and bumpy to me, but I'm answering yes to all the three questions. I've got my adjectives. Does my horse feel taller, more engaged, lighter in front? You know, that's the purpose of a shoulder in. So you go, okay, well, I've got the checklist I've answered yes to those questions. So this feeling of weird and bumpy must be the right feeling (laughs) because it's, I'm able to answer the questions. Yes. And then once you can visualize what you're trying to do, know the dials you can turn to change it. You've picked your adjectives, you know, your clues that are telling you you're on track, no matter what it feels like you've got your, your clues then, you know, then you can start to learn to trust your instincts of going, okay, I've got enough of these things going. And once you can do that weird bumpy feeling shoulder in that meets all the criteria, then try to make that feel easier and easier and easier. And if you can do that, you're going to be pretty close to on target even without an instructor. Like that's the, that's the way you can trust your instincts and progress if you're able to know all those. And if you're learning a movement for the first time and you're like, well, I don't know, what are the dials I turn to make that change? Or what are the adjectives I'm looking for? Then you do research and you ask questions and you try to figure out like, well, how am I gonna know when I get that haunches in? How am I gonna know? What are the clues? And then you can go into the video classroom and look up the video called Rider's Eye View of All the Lateral Work. You know, and I made a video where I had a helmet cam so you can actually see, for you know, for example, the lateral work exactly from the rider's point of view. You see the hands, 
how they look into the neck, where it is compared to the rail. So that's the kind of research that you can do to go, okay, I remember what that video looked like. You know, I, I know what the haunches in looks like from the ground and from the book and from the rider's eye view because I watched the video. So I'm going to go do it. And then when I do it, um, if I can check off the checklist of all those things and then try to make it easy, then you can pretty much trust your instincts of going, okay, that feels weird, but I'm meeting all these criteria. I'll bet you that I'm pretty darn close. I'm pretty darn close to good enough. So that's kind of the first layer. That's going to get you very far, actually. So from there... How do you learn to trust your instincts moving forward from that? Then you test it through um, seeing how it functions. Can you get into it and out of it? Can you do it precisely? Can you put it in a pattern? And so by doing that, you know, okay, I think it's a haunches in. Is it a good enough haunches in? Well, can you do it on a precise straight line from point A to point B? And then that'll tell you like, oh, I can do a haunches in, but my haunches in actually drifts off the wall. So then, you know, it's not good enough yet. Right. So then, but if you can visualize, look for the clues, go down the checklist, feels weird, but I'm getting the checklist correct. And I can do it along the wall from point A to point B and I don't leave the track. It must be even another layer of good enough. So that's how I teach people to trust their instincts, even when they're working at home. And every step of the way, make it as easy as possible. Relax as many muscles as you can and still get there. Um, you can also video yourself, right? That's another way to get a lot of good feedback. Video yourself. And sometimes when you video yourself, you're going to be surprised. Sometimes we're surprised because you're thinking, oh my gosh, that felt amazing. And then you look at the video and you go, uh-oh, <laughs> I was really sitting crooked there. And I had no idea that I was sitting that crooked. And sometimes you're going to video yourself and go, I felt like I was so contorted doing that haunches in. And then you look at the video and you're like, oh, that looks right. Wow, I guess that weird feeling of contortion is actually the feeling of the position for a haunches in. <laughs> because I wasn't actually contorted. I just felt contorted. So being brave enough to video yourself is so helpful. And you know, you can duct tape your iPhone to the fence board, or you can get fancy and get the Pivo or the Pixio, which are really fun to have. Uh, so videoing yourself, get a friend to do it for you um, is super, super, super valuable. So if it you know, again, that checklist, visualize, know the dials you can turn, pick the adjectives, know the clues, and then make it as easy as possible, and then test it and challenge it by doing it precisely. That's how you progress by yourself. Um, yeah, and so if it looks good, feels good, functions well, it's got to be, got to be pretty good. Um, from there, it's really about education. So if you are in a lesson with your trainer and the trainer, like what you said, is, is kind of constantly going, it's not good enough, not good enough, right? So I guess I should share um, 
what you wrote in the Facebook post. Um, so let me share, you know, because the, the question you recorded is slightly different than this. So Shannon wrote, I'm consistently told in my dressage lessons that what feels good to me is often not enough or completely incorrect. And this trainer does know her stuff, definitely knows more than me for sure. Um, but Karen, me, <laughs> um, stresses trusting feel and searching for what feels good. So how do I reconcile these things? How do I trust what feels good to me and my horse when I'm being told my sense of feel isn't trustworthy? It's really making me quite cranky in my lessons um, of late to the point where I've stopped taking them. Yeah, so this is, I think it's a disconnect between um, you and your trainer. So your trainer should be able to explain to you in a way that makes sense. It's education. That's their job. They are an educator. And so you need to be able to stop and ask a question. Now, I know not all trainers like to be interrupted to ask questions, but if you need a question answered, you should be able to ask it. And maybe it's not in the middle of the lesson, but maybe it's like, hey, can we just have a lesson unmounted? And I just want to like talk about some theory and stuff or just get on the same page. You might need to um, review goals. Often a trainer is actually applying their own goals to the student or the trainer's just making assumptions about the student's priorities and goals. Sometimes the trainer is trying to teach the student to do what they would do if they were riding the horse. And that can work sometimes, but sometimes the student is not at the same level or doesn't understand enough about what's going or doesn't have the same goals and just never going to work. And that trainer, it's their job <laughs> to adapt to what you need, or if they're not going to adapt, then they shouldn't be teaching someone that they're not willing to, you know, teach. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um, as far as trusting your decision-making, because there's some decision-making here, right? When, when it comes to a trainer, um, I teach guiding principles. So guiding principles are the things that will help you make decisions. So if there's too much of a disconnect in the guiding principles between you and your trainer, um, you're going to hit walls. You know, so if your trainer is, you know, making you feel bad about yourself every time you take a lesson, that, you know, then there might be a disconnect in guiding principles. So like for me as a teacher, a guiding principle is empowerment and confidence building and helping people enjoy and feel the freedom to experiment. You know, so I would, I couldn't imagine just going and if I start insulting a student and making them feel like they can't ride or that they're wrong, you know, <laughs> I'm having a bad day if that's happening. Like I need to stop and take a little vacation. Um, so, you know, if your trainer is going there and, and can't see that they're making you lose confidence with every lesson that they take, there might be a disconnect in the principles and priorities. And so it might just be a mismatch of a trainer. 
And one of the reasons that I'm really highlighting this trust between you and your instructor, because it it is important. And like I said, with my original dressage trainer, um, where I really, like, I was in her program. I'm like, you got me. I'll do what you say. And there, there were lots of times where um, I would have a lesson and I'd be in the middle of something and it wasn't feeling good, right? We were trying to get something and it wasn't there yet. And I, I know, like, I have a certain threshold of doesn't feel good and then I just want to not do it anymore, Um, but in the moments I would have to go, okay, this doesn't feel good. I would have stopped a long time ago. Do we have enough connected guiding principles? Yes. Do I trust this person in this moment? Yes. I'm going to decide to just go with what she's telling me. And there have been many times, many times that she, through that process, led me past the this feels really weird and horrible stage to the breakthrough and then I go oh that's what we were going for and it was like life-changing so what allowed me to go through that yucky moment was my trust in that person at that moment and what did I hear I went to a seminar that Dr. Jenny Susser was in and she said trust is not like a blanket right? So I trusted her in that moment. I had to kind of say, is she having a good day? You know, I know she knows what she's doing. Is she, you know, is she cranky? Is she tired? Or is she like at her best? And there were lots of times that she was at her best. And I let her lead me through these moments that felt not good to me. And what I learned by going through that and coming out the other side was breakthrough breakthrough. I was like, oh my gosh, I never imagined my horse could feel like that. I never would have gone there, but she had done it a million times. So she's like, I got this. So, but again, you've got to trust the person doing it. It's the worst feeling in the world to be doing something where it doesn't feel right to you. It feels like you're going against your horse and you don't trust the person doing it. I remove myself from those situations. Or I can tell you a story. Um, I was with, I was in another lesson and it was, um, I won't say who it was with, but I was with this teacher and it was like kind of a big group lesson and horsemanshipy kind of stuff. And he was running everybody through an exercise where we cantered across this huge arena. And then he wanted us to like, you know, sit down, lift our hand and kind of bump up on the rein and have our horse sit down. And the horse I was riding, you know, could gallop and then sit down and stop and did not need a bump on the rein because I could do it bridleless. Uh, but he, he, we were heading across the arena and he kept yelling at me because I was doing the transition I was getting the transition done, but I wasn't doing anything with my reins. He's like, you have to lift your hand and bump it up. And I was like, I am not going to do that. Like, (laughs) why? I'm getting the result. And I was like, I am not going to bump my horse at the rein just to do this exercise and, you know, demonstrate how to do the exercise. So... (laughs) You know, I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because I also do not want to get yelled at. And I also 
in that moment, it was a big group lesson. I'm like, listen, I, I'm not going to make a big show of this and go leave. You know, I was like, that's not my place. I'm just one of the people in the lesson. I can get through this. So I just faked it. <laughs> I went galloping down and then I did the transition from my seat and I just in a very fluffy way, moved my hand up and down, but the horse never felt it. And, uh, and I think the guy saw what I was doing. He kind of was like, mm. <laughs> you know, so in that situation, I trusted my instinct. I'm like, I know because I had my checklist. I know what he's doing. I trusted this guy because I was, I've learned a lot from him, but I didn't agree with that exercise. And I found a way to get through it. So that was just confidence from me in that moment of going, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do it my way. I'll do it. I'll do your thing my way. Um, let me give you some other examples. Uh, my horse ovation, uh, you know, when he was just starting, uh, he was kind of a low energy behind the leg horse and I was having some trouble starting to learn to collect with him. He was having trouble learning to collect. And so I went to my neighbors, who's a dressage trainer and she's a friend. I was like, can you just watch me? And she's like, you know, you're doing like a medium trot all the time. I was like, what? <laughs> this does, it feels like he's behind my leg. It feels like he's not going anywhere. And she's like, no, pretty much a medium trot all the time. So I was like, and I said, okay, tell me, tell me when it's the trot that you think I should be doing. She's like, smaller, smaller, more boring, smaller, smaller. <laughs> and it got to a point where I said, Sharon, I feel like I'm riding a really flat Shetland pony. And she's like, no, that's his second level collected trot. And I was like, you're nuts, but I'm going to do it because I trust you. <laughs> and she's my friend. And why would she lie to me? And so I went home and I, and I, videoed it. I was like, all right. And I was like, I'm just going to do this little stupid Shetland pony trot, nothing against Shetland ponies, but he's a 16, three hand warm blood cross. So I was like, I'm going to do the Shetland pony trot. And I'm going to video it and prove that that's the wrong trot. And I, then I videoed it. And then I looked, I went, Oh my gosh, like there it is. I never would have found that on my own. How was I able to do that? Because I trusted her. I trusted my teacher and it was a dial that I could turn and I could play with it. And it wasn't, it was like, okay, my horse and I are doing this big trot. Someone suggested doing a small trot felt weird to me, but my horse doesn't care. He's like, okay, I'll trot small. And then lo and behold, that really weird feeling ended up feeling good. Um, now I know, um, I know, you know, Shannon, what you're saying is kind of the opposite of that you're saying it feels good to me, you know, but it's not good enough, but it's, it is related to like with ovation because I was in there going, no, this big trot feels great to me. But, you know, Sharon, my friend was saying, that's not a collected trot. <laughs> like, you're never going to be able to do the lateral movement and the figures that you need to do for second level, if you keep doing that trot. 
So again, what is the peace? The peace is the, tr- is the trust. So if you can't trust your own instincts and you're not sure because you're not experienced, you've got to find somebody else that you can trust to give you the input. <laughs> and again, trust is not a blanket. So, you know, the, my, my original trainer who, like I said, brought me, I trusted and she brought me through many, many breakthroughs that I would never have found on my own um, where, you know, I thought this was good enough. And she was like, nope, can do better. And we got through it. But there's other situations where, gosh, I remember being at one competition and for some reason she was just not at her best that day. And um, I don't know, other people, trainers, her peers were watching and I wasn't having a good day. And she started getting a little insulting to me. And I, I, I knew in that moment, it felt like, um, she wasn't insulting me. She was just, I wasn't kind of being a good model of her training because it was, we were having a bad day and her peers were watching. And I think she just got a little bit like wanted to make sure that they knew that she knew that what I was doing wasn't up to standard. And so she kind of got a little bit, you know, insulting feeling. And in that moment, you know, I was like, Oh, this doesn't feel good. Like I don't, trust this. And, but I could also, I had enough history with her. I said, Hey, she's having a bad day. And I just mitigated it as much as I could between me and my horse and uh, feel a little bit bad that I didn't just stop and go, you know, <laughs> I'm calling it. Um, you know, so we always have to do what feels right to us. And what I get the feeling of um, Shannon in, in the, the question that you asked from the Facebook post, especially and following up on some of the comments from there is that there's just a little not trusting of that trainer. There's, there's too much of a disconnect. There's too much of a willingness um, for your trainer, maybe to be okay with you feeling insulted or not good enough. And she might be great and talented, but it, you know, I think it's just like every relationship uh, we are allowed to choose <laughs> nothing against anybody. We don't, we don't necessarily have to be married to everybody. Right? <laughs> we get to pick the one, <laughs> um, you know, so I think it, I think my advice would be to give your trainer a chance and sit down and ask and do a, like, Hey, can we review some goals? And, you know, I'm really getting a little frustrated because, you know, this is what I'm feeling from my horse and, and all I want to do, you know, I really prioritize the harmony and lightness. And, you know, it seems like what you're trying to ask for is kind of disrupting that and it doesn't feel good. And maybe I just don't understand. And then she has a chance to learn your goals Maybe she thinks you want to like get to up the levels really fast. And you're like, no, I just want to find more harmony where I am. But you'll have a chance to talk about it. And then you'll find out, you know, she might just turn around and go, oh, (laughs) okay. And readjust. Um, You might open up more dialogue. You might learn something. You might, you know, you might think, oh, you know, that springy feeling feels like I'm about to fall off, but I, wow, I can really see what you're doing. Like, and have your, you know, ask your, your trainer to, to, 
give her your phone and do a little video. Like I was just teaching a lesson the other day with somebody, Sylvia, if you're listening to this. So she was having, she has a, a horse with a little bit of a tricky canter and um, you know, she works mostly by herself. And so I was over there and I was like, you know, I think we need to approach it this way. And I gave her an exercise that, you know, by the look on her face, I know is a little bit like, what? you're going to, you want me to what relift my hands and put my horse's nose out. And I know she was like a little bit like, this can't be right. Um, but she trusted me and she's like, okay, I'll give it a try. And, but what I did is she had her phone out there. So when, um, when she got the nice moment, I quick videoed it. And then as soon as we stopped, I went right there in the moment, I handed it to her and I said, see, and she went, oh, and then she was able to connect the logic that didn't seem right to her to the feeling that also didn't seem quite right, but she felt the good moment at the end. And then she was able to visualize it immediately. And then a couple of days later, she sends me another picture and she's like, oh, look at this. Or actually she sent me a video and it was like, yes, that was the breakthrough. So I think this is very, very normal, normal in any kind of process where you're starting somewhere and you want to learn new stuff and get to somewhere else that it it's not always going to feel like we might expect it to feel. And, you know, we, we, we can watch horses, you know, talented horses and riders and maybe we watch this amazing moving horse and the rider sitting perfectly still and there's all this harmony. So you expect that when you feel that, it's gonna feel really smooth because you see this rider not moving and there's just like, there is as one going around. But on the inside, that rider is like, oh my gosh, I got to use my core and I got to really open my hips and I got to really stay balanced and keep it there. They know what they're feeling on the inside is all this stuff. But what we see on the outside is complete, you know, unity. So sometimes riders see that and go, oh, it's just going to always feel like unity. But when you really get that picture, and actually on the insides, like your abs are going to burn and you're going to have to like do some core work and you're going to feel all the springiness <laughs> and things like that. So this is where I mean, it's like we have to feel the stuff, you know, adjust our interpretation of what it feels like. And most importantly, have the visualization, know what success is going to look like, know the clues that you're in the right place. All those things are going to confirm, you know, like with ovation with this small trot, once he got the small trot and then I could go, oh, well now let me try my shoulder and circle haunches. And I'm like, oh yeah, that works much better at the Shetland pony trot. <laughs> so I have clues. I can confirm that this is how I want it to be. So I hope that that helps. I know this was a bit of a rambling. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about instincts and feelings. So instincts and feelings don't always fit into bullet points. Um, you know, just know that the process of learning um, is about 
you know, what's called the productive struggle, unfortunately, you know, it just like in the podcast with Dr. Jenny Susser, right? She's like, you have to fail in order to learn. So it's not always going to be comfortable. The training process is not comfortable, but there's a difference between going, oh, we're in kind of a, you know, in between stage here. And, you know, it can be fun. It can be fun going from one harmonious plateau, going through a little productive struggle to get to another harmonious plateau as we, you know, get to the next level. And then we pick another quality we want to improve and we go through a productive struggle for a little bit. And then we, oh, we got that and we live there for a little bit. You know, that can be fun. And when you have experience training, um, those little bumps and discomforts and out of wax and not quite theirs, that's where trainers live. I mean, that's where, you know, any, anybody who's a trainer enjoys that kind of thing. And, and you enjoy the, the almost there, but not quite. And oop, they're changing something, but it's still not the good one. But these are all mistakes in the right direction. You know, we enjoy that. And not all students enjoy that. You know, students often are trying to learn to get to a place and then they want to just stay in that harmony and do some stuff. And that's okay. Like not everybody has to have these amazing, you know, goals to go all the way to whatever. So again, um, know yourself, know what your goals are, talk to your trainer. Um, and again, all my stuff is based around um, trying to help people so that they can learn it at home. So my book, video classroom, sweet spot course, all of these programs are taught in a way that um, I'm, I'm delivering it in a way that I'm hoping you can figure out how to get well into 80% there good enough, you know, on your own. And then a trainer with eyes on the ground that you trust that has the same you know, picture of goals for you should be able to tweak and turn the dials and make it go even better for you. So I hope that helps. I hope somewhere in all this rambling, uh, you guys are getting something out of this. Uh, let me know, go over to Dressage Naturally Land Facebook and let me know. Or if you pop into the video classroom, uh, you know, look through the videos. You can always email me if you can't find the video you want. You can comment on video pages and just let me know how it helps. This is all designed to empower you to be able to enjoy the process of learning to move and be in harmony. That's what we do here. So I hope that helps. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.